Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I had to go about it, write it out, and find it myself. And there's some stories I can tell you. Yeah. I had to find it's a final word daily with Adam Collins and look who I've got. We're at Sunderation coming in for a show. Jeff isn't here at the Sydney Cricket Ground where we saw the first game of the Super 12s tonight. And our show is for Seba Super making the hard work pay off. People who've been with us for a long time will know how much joy it brings me to say those words. More on them in a little bit when we come to the Hall of Fame. First things first, Bazza, tell us all about this game between Australia and New Zealand in the space of 30 seconds. 3,968 days is how long it's taken New Zealand to win a cricket match, or the New Zealand men's team, I should say, to win a cricket match on Australian soil. And they couldn't have done it in more comprehensive fashion. They just smashed the Australian new ball bowlers all over the park, set themselves up for a big total and got to 200. Devin Conway, incredible. Finn, Finn Allen, just remarkable innings. Uh, and then, you know, Ish Sodhi and Mitchell uh, Santner did exactly what they did to India, the host in 2016, spun a web around the Australians and defeated them by a significant margin. Yeah, in the end, they won by 89 runs. We were in the presser and a question that came up with a couple of the players was, was this the perfect game? Like, from a T20 perspective, it rarely happens, but to make 200 even, even the way they brought up the 200, final ball of the innings, Jimmy Neesham uh, pops uh, Josh Hazelwood yeah. into the Bill O'Reilly stand. Um, like, okay. You know, properly job done and then to go the work they did in the power play taking three wickets and uh, some stunning fielding thrown in there too a catch oh, yeah. from Glenn Phillips that's 
well, it'll, it'll be almost certainly the best of this tournament unless something spectacular happens uh, down the line, but it's hard to see it getting beaten. Uh, and then winning and bowling out Australia for 111 in just 17.1 overs. Everything went right for New Zealand, including the team composition, having both spinners at their disposal. By contrast, Australia didn't even use their second spinner, Maxwell, and, and they made a, a tactical error there, which they basically acknowledged after the game. Yeah, they did. I think uh, they also, Australia got a lot of things wrong with the ball. Uh, if you saw a lot of those boundaries early on came towards the short side of the bound, uh, yep. short side of the ground, and there was a significant short boundary today. Uh, and uh, I think a lot of cutters were bowled into the pitch where the Finn Allen could just tee up and you know target that boundary, and which he did a lot. Uh, he went after Stark in that first over. Pat Cummins did not start off well, nor did Josh Hazelwood. Uh, and then not using Glenn Maxwell didn't make sense. Yes, they did pull things back nicely. Adam Zampa went for a few runs early on, but then it looked like Australia were controlled uh, the middle part to an yep. extent. Uh, but again, that's when they could have brought in Maxwell, maybe, you know, given themselves a chance to take more wickets because as we saw later on the pitch did slow down uh, and the spinners could get some the ball to grip and it wasn't easy to score as Australia found out later uh, and, and yeah I think they were just rattled right, weren't they Adam like, they were just well, rattled after that initially. well the way that, the way it started I mean you look at it there, there was I mean, Finn Allen that enormous six off Mitchell Stark to get the party started uh, I think it was the third ball of the game so you know 14 from the first over then it was Conway's turn to get in uh, to the mixer uh, 15 from the second that was off uh, who rolled the uh, second uh, over? Hazelwood. Josh Hazelwood, of course yeah. it was. Then Pat Cummins, you know, uh, the poster boy, the captain <laughs> of uh, now the one-day team and the test team. He has 17 taken from his first over. So, you know, none for 46 from three. They had their 50 up from, like, 23 balls or something like that. They did arrest it somewhat. You made mention of the fact that Australia controlled the middle overs. They controlled the second five, if you want to be specific. Mm. They only had 37 taken from the second five when it was a degree of consolidation when Kane Williamson walked out at three. He made 23 from 23 balls. But Finn Allen, 23 years old, he only made his international debut late last year. Only found out yesterday he was going to be playing. I think we... Well, I don't know whether we thought Martin Gupta was going to play, mm. but it, it, it stands out when someone of his experience at global tournaments has been overlooked for a, for a young junior player in the side. But he looks right at home, and when we were speaking to him then, he, he spoke about the clarity of purpose and not having the scarring. He's, he's spoken nearly 4,000 days since they've won in Australia. Well, that's not the case for Finn Allen, because he's never been part of those sides, and maybe that was the secret tonight. Experienced guys who were desperate to, to go again, combined with some younger guys like Allen, who, who'd never been here before. Yeah, and the clarity you spoke about, and Finn Allen, when he spoke to our section of the media, spoke about how uh, Gary Stead had asked the Kiwis to just throw the first punch. Yeah, And, yeah. you know, it, it was Finn Allen who threw that punch. Uh, and, and he had such clarity in the way he described his innings as well. Uh, playing the ball and not the bowler, generally cliches, but he act, did that. You know, he took on Stark, took down Hazelwood, went after Cummins, uh, and even though he got to 46 and, you know, we wanted to see much more of him, uh, uh, he had done his job. He'd set uh, yep. the, the stage up. He had uh, you know, nailed that first blow. He'd knocked the Aussies down. Uh, and I remember asking him uh, about uh, whether he's the same way, I mean, with everything in life, if he's so confident about everything he does in life. I kind of put him on the spot. Then he thought about it and he said, I think it's a good way to be in life. So, yeah. you know, there's a lot to like about Finn Allen, not just the batter, but just the way he is on the field, off the field. Kane Williamson wouldn't have been the only person, but certainly one per was worried about rain tonight. Not a drop of it until probably now when it's starting to, to drizzle a wee bit. But, I mean, the fact that they were just raring and ready to go, they were desperate to play tonight. Because in a way, I mean, no World Cup game is a free hit, but playing the hosts and the reigning champions 
mm. at a packed SCG on opening night. If they don't win tonight, I mean, they weren't expected to necessarily win tonight. That, that mindset going into it. Someone like Devin Conway, who missed out on the final last year. Remember, in the it was in the semi, wasn't it, that he that he punched yeah. his bat in frustration. They get through that final four game. He doesn't get to play against Australia. He's player of the match tonight, making 92 not out from 58 deliveries. Only a couple of sixes. In a way, he kind of anchored it, despite having a really impressive strike rate, uh, being able to bat the whole way through the innings. I mean, he and Finn Allen had finished their partnership after 25 balls. I mean, you know, Allen's out from the first delivery of the fifth over. They put on 65 in the power play, mostly between the pair of them. But um, yeah, Conway, as we've seen across the last two years, he's only relatively new to the international game, but uh, he, on his day, looks the most important player in the New Zealand side. Yeah, and before we get to Conway, you spoke about Kane Williamson and the weather. Uh, he was promised that the rain would not affect this game, even though the forecast said so. Uh, and the man who promised him that was me. <laughs> I bumped into him into practice. It's been a while, two and a half years since I met him last, where I was his unofficial batting coach. <laughs> so he does he does, he does believe most things uh, I say. And I said, you know, don't worry about the weather. There will be a full game based on absolutely no knowledge of the weather. And as it happened, I was proven right, thankfully. So Kane has uh, someone to thank for that. But no, Devin Conway, every time you look at him bat, Adam, he just looks like he belongs at this level. You know, whether it's in test cricket or T20 cricket or any format. Uh, and I think he's also provided a blueprint, uh, not just to his own batters, but to batters down the line in this tournament as to how to master these conditions. Even if you go hard early, you can consolidate by using the boundaries. And he spoke about it in the press conference, right? There are pockets on these uh, Australian grounds where you can hit the ball, runs twos and threes, and, and keep that strike rate up. So that's why when he said he felt mm. like he slowed down, he actually didn't slow down because he wasn't hitting boundaries, but he was collecting so many twos and threes. And that's why he ended up which, with uh, such a strike rate. Unfortunate that he didn't get go on to make a hundred, uh, but you know, uh, a great knock. And I think a lot of batters can learn from what he did today. Yeah, they bookended it. So they make 48 in the last four overs. So going at a strike rate of 200, largely because Jimmy Neesham came in and does as he does so often, making 26 not out from 13 balls, including, he didn't hit a four, but he hit three sixes, mm. I think, out of that. So again, that, that's what Neesham's been so good at and why he's one of the first names on the team sheet in the New Zealand white ball teams. In Australia, are on the back foot. How often do you see it uh, when batting second in a white ball game where if you're chasing plenty, the wickets will fall. But it wasn't just that wickets fell. It's that Trent Bolt only had five runs taken from his first over. And then, and then Warner, uh, I mean, hard to really explain that dismissal. Mm -hmm. Have a crack at it. But he's out bowled from the first ball that Tim Southey delivered, I think. Yeah, um, it, it, you couldn't make out how the ball actually ended up hitting his stumps. And we asked him, Saudi, about that. Uh, yeah, he said, as a bowler, you can't plan such uh, such a dismissal. He just got down on his haunches and I think it hit hit some part of his body and yeah. just kind of rolled onto the stumps. Uh, so, yeah, and once Warner went, you knew that Australia were going to uh, you know struggle. Aaron Finch, but that six that he hit of Trent. Yeah, 102 metre six. I've seen big sixes. I've seen massive sixes. I've never seen an angry six. That was an angry <laughs> six from Aaron Finch. And it went a long way. Uh, and, and you sort of felt maybe it could be Aaron Finch's day because remember without Steve Smith, Australia also needs someone who can, uh, I won't use that much maligned word anchor, but someone who can take the innings deep like Devin Conway did. And Aaron Finch had to be that guy. But once he got out, you knew um, there wasn't anyone in that middle order who could play that role. Uh, everybody came, tried to play a lot of shots. Of course, the required rate kept, kept growing. Uh, and it's the perfect conditions for a team like New Zealand to defend, right? They've got a big total. They're such a good defensive team mm. when it comes to wide ball cricket. Uh, and it was always going to be difficult. And once uh, the spinners came in, um, yeah, the game was over pretty much after the first four or five overs in the Australian innings. Yeah, I mean, it feels that way, doesn't it? The, the contrasting power plays. 37 for three uh, at the end of their six overs. So Ma 
Ash goes to Skies, uh, a top edge, uh, also from the bowling of Southie, wasn't it? So he had a couple of wickets inside. Yeah, that's right. It was mm. the, that off break. You know, it's funny, isn't it, with Southie? Like, it's not as though he brings the back of the hand slower ball and the split finger and the knuckle ball. I mean, he doesn't do really any of that. He bowls very accurately at about 132 clicks on a good day, has kind of one slower ball, and after tonight, has the most number of wickets of anyone who's played T20 international cricket. Up to 125, he's overtaken Shakib Al Hassan. Um, I reckon, I, I was going to put this in the Hall of Fame, but I'll say it now, we're on to him. And I put this to him as well in, in the little mix zone thing. If you surveyed 100 people on the way into the ground tonight, I reckon 70 of them would have thought that he'd retired from T20 <laughs> cricket. Not because he's old, he's only 33, but just because like he strikes you as the kind of guy who'll keep playing test cricket till he's you know, yeah. 37, but maybe he'll give away the, the short form stuff. But that belies the fact that he's always been an outstanding T20 bowler. And that stability, you know, along with Trent Bolt having opened the bowling for New Zealand for over a decade together, that it does mean that if you're Aaron Finch, who's not out of form in this form of the game, mm -hmm. but there is scrutiny on, let's go to Finch. Um, it's a different story when you've got two very experienced operators who know exactly what they're doing compared to maybe if he was facing a firebrand like yeah. Lockie Ferguson. That might have been to his advantage facing a guy bowling 150 who did bowl well tonight instead of the, the cagey uh, mid-30s guy who, who landed on a hanky. Yeah, because there's no margin for error, right? And Aaron Finch already is thinking about a lot of things, about getting his front foot straight down the pitch, not going across for his head not to fall across. And he knows with Saudi and Bolt, because he's played against them for so long and because they are these wily old customers, you cannot make a mistake. There's no way. If you make a mistake, you're dead. Uh, and, and with all those things... Out to I should say, by the way, well, you know, guys, it wasn't like he got out to Saudi. But no, no, he did. Yeah, yeah. It's more that sort of the energy around his innings, Absolutely, right? Yeah, yeah. I've seen some analysis already saying that, like, can Australia win the tournament when they're relying on a player who's coming to the end, leading the charge? Mm. I mean, it's a difficult question to answer. In a way, that's what Owen Morgan was doing 12 months ago with England, and it didn't yeah. quite work out. I guess so, but I think um, speaking to some, some some people who know a lot about T20 cricket in Australia, they felt that uh, you need uh, an intuitive captain to for to succeed in Australia, and Aaron Finch brings that gut feel yeah, to yeah. his captaincy. Yeah, I mean his gut feel didn't work out today, not using Maxwell as we spoke about earlier. Uh, but I think that's that's the aspect of his captaincy which kind of stands out, and maybe because the two World Cups were so close to each other, there wasn't enough time for them to invest in anyone else uh, between the last World Cup and this one. So it's only fair that he got the, got a go. I, I mean, we'll see. I, I thought again on the field he did, he was able to bring things back. To, to an extent, and he said 200 on the toll uh, on the board was just a little above par. So they right. backed themselves to get there. But I still do feel, even though it might sound controversial, there is a role for someone like Steve Smith in this team, especially considering the conditions where we're going to play in. You just imagine Steve Smith in there facing Santner and Sodhi. At least he have one end sorted. You know, he places the board around. Could have played at Devin Conway like innings, and you back like the bigger hitters at the other end. Uh, maybe that's something Australia might have to consider. Uh, they seem to have, I mean, the arrival of Tim David is a great thing, but it's also a problem because you can't leave him out. Right. So it has to be one of the all-rounders who have to go out for Steve Smith to play. Uh, and I think moving forward at some point, Australia might need to make a compromise somewhere, especially if Mitchell Marsh is not bowling. Uh, and if that means Steve Smith comes in at number three, I still think it could work out. So a couple of the Australians got out um, skying slower balls. Uh, one who didn't was Marcus Tornis. Didn't make great contact, but that catch from Glenn Phillips, oh. I mentioned before, that it's unlikely there'll be a better one taken uh, in this comp, maybe even in this calendar year, or, in, you know, it's going to be on those highlight reels forever, which he's already got a pretty impressive one ah. uh, piling up. He's a hell of a cricketer, but um, 
yeah, the, the full Superman dive to, to get rid of Stoinis. I saw you put the binoculars on Stoinis as soon as it happened, as if to say, what the fuck is what, what <laughs> yeah. I'm going to do? Because, I mean, he wasn't moving through the gears or anything like that, but if he and Maxwell get to bat together for 10 overs, it might, they might give themselves a, a chance of being within striking distance. In the end, Maxwell had to go... Um, I guess full obscure straight away obscure I'm, I'm, yeah. it's not the right word but he played a number of switch hits a couple of them were splendid um, yeah. the one that uh, that went uh, to the second deck of the of the O'Reilly stand was, yeah. a, was a belter I didn't see how far it went but it must have been near enough to 80 odd metres taking on the short rope uh, but then he got out <clears throat> got out that way you can probably tell from my voice I'm still battling uh, got out that way as well um, which was I thought New Zealand held the game up well. I was trying to work out whether they changed the field, but they definitely made Maxwell wait. Mm. And the next ball was the top spinner, not the leg break. And that's why it went on and hit his off stump. But, I mean, points for trying at least. He yeah. was out for 28. And at least I suppose he's in the tournament as well. Yeah, he, he needed some runs, yeah. uh, you know, going coming into this tournament. And even if it was just those 28 runs, and even if Australia lost by a big margin, just just his body language out there. With Glenn Maxwell, it's always easy to make out what's going on in his head, especially when he's batting. Uh, and just before he got out as well, he seemed to be having this lovely conversation with Devin Conway. Uh, I don't know what it was about, but, uh, you know, that happened. And you and I kept noticing how Jimmy Nisham at point kept running every time yeah. he got into the switch hit position. Well, I mean, the good thing about it is Nisham is such a clever cricketer that you know as soon as Maxwell gives the impression that he's going to shift his hands along Nisham at conventional backward point just starts sprinting he actually turns around and starts sprinting for the boundary rope thinking that he might get far enough down there when the ball's coming yeah. that he can turn and be in a position to, to catch a top edge I mean it's it's I guess it's the modern game isn't it yeah but uh, but also I mean on that note we forgot I forgot to mention Glenn Phillips's catch I was disappointed that he didn't come out to bat to John Cena's music I was really looking forward <laughs> to it if you noticed I walked very close to the window uh, but you know he's he has like you said his highlight reel already I mean you think Glenn Phillips you start thinking about boundary catches yes he's played some uh, great innings here and there but I think it's it just you just back him to take those catches and, and it it came at a crucial time as well and that's what New Zealand will do right they'll take all these catches uh, if they put runs on the board I think they're going to be a very difficult team to beat as this tournament goes on uh, a couple of the housekeeping I suppose on the way through acknowledging where Australia's net run rate's at it's like negative five or near mm. enough to it so net run rate they will not get that back it's improbable they'll get that back to a point where it'll help them at the end of the competition and Adam Zampa acknowledged as much when we spoke to him so they just need to run the table. So that makes that England game, I know they're going to beat Sri Lanka in Perth, yeah. but when they play England on Friday, it might already feel like an elimination final for them at least. And in turn, that might make it, I mean, today feels very 1992, doesn't it? Mm. When they lost to New Zealand first game, and then they lose to South Africa here at the SCG, I think in their third game, and it was tournament over, effectively. Um, they needed everything to go right. Of course, yeah. they lose to England here as well, and that's it. But um, it might be a similar situation for them there. But on the other hand, um, Zampa said to us that Mitch Marsh walked in there and said, just how we like it, boys, backs to the wall. <laughs> so kind of more like 1999, if you want to draw the World Cup <laughs> comparison where Australia needed to win seven on the bounce yeah. to win that competition and, and duly did. So, um, yeah, net run rate shot, but may not make a difference anyway, given that it's so far um, yeah. away from anything that matters. By contrast, New Zealand um, had a bad start to the T20 World Cup last year. They lost to Pakistan convincingly mm. in their first outing in the Super 12s and they won every game to make the final. So there is time to turn it around and New Zealand had the chance to consolidate upon this because, you know, I don't think anyone was really talking about New Zealand uh, as a chance for the semi-finals. And in hindsight, why is that? We always seem to, to 
discount what they're capable of because they have the same team rock up at every tournament or something like that. Yeah, it has to be something, right? Like how all of us tend to ignore them at the start of a World Cup. Uh, it's almost like, uh, you know, and, and they're those consistent uh, not, players, right? I mean, consistent like members of a party. Like you almost start taking them for granted. Yeah, like, you know, yeah. you know, they'll always be there. They'll bring the drinks. They'll bring something to, uh, you know, knickknack on as well uh, to the extent that you take them for granted. But they are the ones who also stay till the very end. You know, they have that capacity to do that. And I think that's really what's happened here. Even, you know, when I've been asked about who the favourites are going to this uh, or going into this tournament, it's generally been Australia, England, India, South Africa and Pakistan. I speak of from the other group. I keep And I've said constantly that it's going to be the best bowling attacks that are going to win uh, more matches in this tournament. And how could I have forgotten New Zealand, right? I mean, they have such a consistent bowling attack. They have all everything sorted, right? Like they have the swing of Saudi and uh, bold. They have the pace of Lockie Ferguson who can bowl in the depth as well like we saw today Santner and Sodi even if the pitch is slightly dry slightly so they are so difficult to uh, get on top of and very underrated spinners as well uh, they're very different spinners complement each other really well uh, and like we saw today uh, it's not very easy to go after either of them Brett time for the final word Hall of Fame the final word Hall of Fame brought to you by Seabus Super making hard work pay off now I'm mindful we haven't had Seabus on the show for a little while. So let me remind you of a few things, Baz. Let's go through it. Um, they're one of Australia's last, largest industry super funds. They were established in 1984, created by workers for workers. They look after the funds of more than 850,000 Australians, their members. They manage over $74 billion of their funds along the way. They're one of the best performing funds in Australia, an 8.88% return over the last 38 years, making sure let me get this right. Making sure your money is as working hard. I've, 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 I've written it down wrong. They, they put it this way. Yeah. I'll go back to the front. They're making your hard work pay off. And <laughs> you can visit cbussuper.com.au to learn more. And you always remember with CBUS, past performance is not a reliable indicator of future performance. That's the disclaimer. But isn't it great to have them back with us on the show for the rest of the World Cup? So you'll, we'll, we'll tell you more about CBUS when Jeff's back with me and we'll go through their story across the next three weeks of this tournament. Uh, Hall of Fame, I'm going to start. And again, I'll say this, I'm about to keel over again like I nearly did a couple of days ago, so I'll keep this brief. Um, at the press conference just then, um, Finn Allen was asked by uh, one of our colleagues whether on, if he has a really, really good World Cup, if he makes a couple of more half centuries and dominates, then maybe he might get an IPL deal. Uh. Like, oh. Isn't that the right attitude? Yeah, Isn't that the right attitude? If you dominate a World Cup for your country, <laughs> you might get a deal in a domestic T20 competition. What can you say? <laughs> oh, I think so. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's what it's all about. Did right? anything take your eye today? Anything? What was the what was the most final word ish moment of the day for you? I'll tell you what it is. It has nothing to do with the cricket. But in the second door of the day, Josh Hazelwood was stopped in his tracks because someone was moving behind the side. Oh screen. yeah, yeah, yeah. And as he was walking back, you could hear the first riff of Kashmir, <laughs> the Led Zeppelin song. And at that moment, I realized that should be his theme song because it 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 was so much in sync. I mean, Josh Hazelwood's gait as he walked back and the then the then the, 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 yeah. You watch out for it when you see Josh Hazelwood just play the Kashmir tune in your head, and you'll make like you know that it, the song was written for Josh Hazelwood. You see, and that really caught my eye. And I think after anything that after happened after that, and it was an exciting game and all that. But that that'll be my abiding memory from this game. And a pretty good Yorker to get rid of Finn Allen, which we completely. Yeah. Rushed yeah. over earlier, but they all went for millions. Uh, that's it. So tomorrow, uh, you're going to fly to Melbourne at stupid o'clock and be with Jeff tomorrow. I'm going to take a couple of days off. 
I need it. Uh, this has been the final word daily. Adam Cole's Brat Sunday Racing, uh, New Zealand victorious by 89 runs. Thanks to Seba Super. Seba Super. Seba Super. Seba Super. Super.com.au. More on them tomorrow. Set up. I had to go about it.